What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We're now also on Apple Music, Audible, and Pandora. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on all of our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on everyone? Mike and I have a Big week this week for you. A lot of different topics. March Madness we're going to talk about. There are a bunch of different things coming your way. On top of that, we got University of Maryland star Will Celebrity. Will is the NJSGA state amateur champion from 2022. Bergen Catholic kid from North Jersey. Really a good chat with him. We talk about a number of different things, including his low round of 64 to vault him in a first place during that tournament. Really a, a, a fun chat with Will. So stick around after the show. We got that coming at you. So we whittled down our, we had our Elite Eight matchups this past week. We whittled it down. We got a Final Four. And man, do we have a great Final Four scheduled for next week. You know, a lot of different things coming out of this. I think the biggest one, Mike, is Seaview Bay coming back to win I think we were talking off air. You said it was by nine, and they were down last time I checked. So a big comeback from them on, you know, late late action coming out of them down the stretch. So what uh, what do you think about it? Yeah. So I mean, listen, if let, we can, we'll start in the south. We'll start in the south this week. Um, but yeah, listen, running deer was was trending in the right direction. But again, I, listen, it got over 600 views alone that race, um, which is the most out of all out of all the matchups so far this this March Madness. This one specifically got the most eyes on it. And again, credit to Seaview Bay's people, um, credit to Running Deer's people. Both were all in on this matchup. I saw it reposted and shared on multiple multiple people's pages so thank you to them um, but by a score of 51 percent to 49 percent and like you mentioned a difference of nine votes Seaview Bay moves on to the final four um, a very close a very tight matchup again over 600 eyes saw that alone over 300 votes on it with Seaview Bay nipping it by nine um and then the bottom half of that as that bracket right there it was kind of a runaway um again nearly 585 views alone on this one below 
Ballamore just dominated. It was 65% to 35%. Um, really wasn't close from the get-go. And, and again, I, I credit that to Ballamore's people just sharing it and nobody at Cape May National sharing it to really get eyes on it. I did get some DMs from people saying, you know, people don't realize how nice Cape May National is. They don't come down here enough, um, which I said, listen, I, I completely understand and respect. Um, but in this March Madness type bracket, it's who comes out and votes. And unfortunately for Cape May National, Ballamore just ran away with it. It, it really wasn't close. And so that, I mean, that, so that, that's, that's going to be a great matchup. You got two South Jersey golf courses in Ballamore versus Seaview Bay looking to get to the championship matchup. And both, and listen, both places have turned up unbelievably well. So, you know, I, I, completely can't believe I, I just can't believe how many people continue to look at this to vote in it I'm dying to see how many people look at this next matchup and then actually vote on it yeah I, I'm blown away by how many people saw it how many people voted on it I do like that it's two true South Jersey golf courses and what I mean by that is there are people in our state who don't think there's a central Jersey and, and we call those people morons. There is a Central Jersey. But these two courses are in South Jersey. Like, Hominy Hill is, is in Central Jersey, but it, we put it in the South region because it, it kind of divided it up nicely. But these two courses are truly South Jersey, and I, I like that they're battling it out. And it's going to be an Ali Frazier kind of match with all of their people sharing it on all different platforms, all different ways. Like I said, I know Seaview posted it, the pro posted it, the golf course posted it, and then the hotel also posted it. And so you have all these different versions of people seeing it. So if someone follows the hotel because they don't really care about golf, that's a way for it to get eyes. So it, it just, that's going to be a big one next week. It, it's uh that's going to be a bear. And as far as yeah. Cape May National, like, uh, sorry, you're you're too far south. <laughs> Nobody comes down here. I I, I just, uh, you know, that sounded more mean than I wanted it to. But I just, I, I I don't think that I don't think that's what the numbers are showing. What I think the numbers are showing is it's a nice course, but Ballamore is much nicer. And like, I don't know if you've played Cape May National. Uh, I did in college. It was the, it was where the sectionals were held, and it, it's it's beautiful. But I don't I don't know. A, it's a long time ago now, and B, I don't know if I could talk about it the way you talk about Ballamore. So I don't I don't know if I think that is more telling to the, how people feel about Ballamore and less about how people feel about Cape May National. Yeah, I mean the one the one follower on Instagram that that DM'd us, you know, he he commented on how far south it was as as it possibly being an issue. Um, but again, I've heard good things about the spot. I've looked at the pictures; they're beautiful on, online. The guy online mentioned to me it has a pure layout. It's really nice. He said he did say to me like I wouldn't come down soon because they're about to aerate it. Uh, mid-May to mid to late September are typically the best times to come see that spot. But again, you're right. I think there's some areas that, that we've been able to get a better stranglehold of. And 
you know, typically I think that Ballamore, a little bit South Jersey, Egg Harbor Township area, we've been able to, you know, bring in and kind of help help us more or less get the word out where, you know, we don't have that following yet all the way down in Cape May. And, and the hope is that we eventually do. So, you know, more of those people can, can jump on in and enjoy the ride. Um, but I think right now, if you look at where things are, it's, it's, it's night and day in terms of like who's listening, who's following it. And it's more people in the Ballamore golf course region. Yeah. And that, and that being South, like Cape May is super, super slack. We're talking yards away from like the tip of New Jersey. So it's, it's not, it is really, really down there. And I don't know, uh, like, a, a, again, a course like Ballamore, it's far south, but Egg Harbor is like, you know, near, nearer to Atlantic City. Like, people from North Jersey know Atlantic City. I don't think people necessarily, I don't think as many people know from North Jersey know Cape May like they would Atlantic City. Does that make sense? So, like, they know that yeah. area better. So, that could be why as well. Like, I, I didn't mean, you know, I said before, like, you're too far south. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Atlantic City is kind of an outlier because of the gambling and things like they can do there in terms of a social scene. Right. That's um, more what I mean. Not that, yeah, there's, yeah. there's more there's more of a nightlife there, more of a, you know, you got the casinos, yeah, you got concerts, you got all those kind of things. Whereas Cape May to me, gives a feel of a little more subdued family. For, yeah, yeah, it's more. Of, it's, it's two different. Yeah, it's it's one. You're thinking more like Cape May is more of the family side si- si- style, okay, and, and Atlantic City is more of a, a younger social scene, right? Um, you know. So again, listen, which I think might it's be why be a great... I have never been to Cape May and only been, you know, <laughs> never vacation in Cape May and only a vacation in Atlantic City. That makes more sense. There you go. So I mean, so that'll be a good matchup between those two, and you know, again, I, I think. You know, when we think back to the very beginning, when we posted this thing on March 12th, it's, you know, the wheel of names that randomly put every course in every different spot with different matchups. It's kind of fitting that two South Jersey courses that were ended up in the South are in the South final. So it's just kind of fitting in that respect. Um, because I think now as you trend to the North here. I will say, Mike, before we go into the North, I will say that I think after all that, I think the South got it right. I think if you were to ask the two like the two best South Jersey courses on that list. I think we had some tougher ones, but ultimately I think that the final four has gotten it right. I think that's a, a blue bloods. If you, you know, to use an NCAA term, um, those are the two best. I mean, maybe we could put in a third and, and have it bounce. But to me, that's the, those, those are the two that were the best. And then, like yeah, I said, if we were to throw another one in, it would be running deer. But I think that, I think that those three, are the are the far and away the better ones there? Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the audience got that one right, totally. Right. And then as we move up to the north, um, again, I I I know I know the audience is not going to like this when I when we post this on on Monday, but Skyway dominated Berkshire Valley sixty five percent to thirty five percent. It wasn't close at all the entire time. It wasn't close from the minute I posted it. It was just Skyway, Skyway, Skyway with a handful of people from Berkshire Valley. So they dominate it. And then the Shannock Valley dominated Roycebrook even more than Skyway defeated Berkshire Valley. The Shannock Valley won 73% to 27%, which puts Skyway in the North Final versus the Shannock Valley, which 
the bottom, the South, it was a little closer. The North, it was two runaways. And again, I, I think it follows the trend of Skyways people being very open and sharing things. I think we have a large contingency of people in that Hoboken, Hudson County area. I understand there's only one golf course and it's Skyway and it's only nine holes, but there's a large following up there that are all in on their course, looking to get them to the finals. But I also know Nishanik Valley's got a huge following in our audience as well. So you got two unbelievable matchups in the final four, and I cannot wait to see the end results here because I still have my championship game alive. Nishanik Valley and Ballamore, I still got them alive. That was my finals. I still got them alive. Fingers crossed. We'll yeah, see. You, you, you kicked my butt this year. I... I think that this is also another heavyweight bout, more so because of the amount of traction that we have amongst those those areas. The people from Nishanik are all over Nishanik, and the people in Hudson County are all over Skyway. And you they're they're equally active. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be one of those again, heavyweight bouts that's just gonna be Punch after punch after punch. The the final four is going to be a big... I'm really looking forward to this week. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, I mean, listen, you you got two spots that we've ranted and raved about on this podcast from probably day one about where we want to go and some places we want to visit. And now that the spring is right around the corner, it's like, wow, not only are these spots that we've ranted and raved about, well, now they're in the finals of the North bracket. They're in the final four. And it's like, it's like teeing up for us to be like courses that we die are dying to go play could ultimately win this whole thing. Yeah. And, and as we've said, like, like there's other courses like rock Springs. Again, I've said it, this season is a failure if we don't get up and play rock Springs, but these four, these four are high. This is also a failure if we don't get to play these four this year. Ballamore's on my list. I know you already have it checked off, so I got to go play it. Skyway, we've both been talking about. Uh, Seaview Bay has shown that we need to get there. And then Nishanik, we've been talking about as well. So it definitely has to happen. This Final Four is is loaded. I'm very excited. I think we got a big, big Final Four weekend. So just to kind of recap here on the south side, we got Ballamore and Seaview Bay in a Goliath-type-like matchup. And then in the, in the north, we still got Skyway and Nishanik Valley, two highly, highly, highly spoken about golf courses on our end. So here's how we're going to do the finals and the final four because it's a little different than what we've been. We're going to put the final four out on April 6th. Yes, that is tomorrow at noon. The north will be out and the south will be out. Then on Saturday the 8th, at noon, we will also put out the championship matchup. So again, let me repeat that. The final four will go out tomorrow, April 6th, and then the championship game will go out on the 8th of April. And then on our next podcast, on April 12th, we will discuss not only the Masters winner, but the winner of our March Madness. (music) 
Matara's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table. Recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matara's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matara's On Park app and Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram at Matara's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao. Matara's, you'll walk in a stranger, leave as family. So Rye, let's kind of get into the Masters look ahead real quick here. Who are you liking? Who do you think could win? Do you have a, a guy on the outskirts that's going to, you know, maybe surprise some people? What do you got going into the Masters here? Who do I like? Uh, so a guy that I really like, I don't know, like I didn't, I will say this. I wanted to find, have you ever done any of those pools that have like the first 10, you got to pick one person to win from the top 10 in the world and then from 11 to 20 and then from 21 to 30. Have you ever seen this? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to pull that up before we talked about it and come up with who I would pick in those situations or those circumstances because um, I think that's a better gauge. Because like obviously I could say like oh I think I think Rory and Shoffley and and Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm like obviously those are those are ones who are going to be in the mix. I will say that after watching the match play. I was really impressed with Sam Burns. And that is a, I would think that's a deep, a deeper one. That's not like a, a super favorite. I would, I would think, I don't know what his odds are, but that's a guy who, that's one that I, I, I like that as a, as someone that's not, probably not a super favorite, but I really liked him watching the match play. I liked his temperament. I liked how he, he took down Scotty Scheffler who went toe-to-toe -to -toe with number one ranked guy in the world, the guy who is one of his closest friends. Both of them are UT guys. I, I just I, – I was really impressed with his poise, his focus, his, his game plan. I, I really liked – I really liked Sam, what I saw from Sam Burns. So, again, without knowing what his world rankings are or what his odds are, I like, I like that one. Sam Burns is plus four. It's basically forty to one. Sam Burns is right now. Right, so that's pretty. Um, that's pretty far out. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's probably in the top third in terms of of where everybody is of odds. Um, but he, I don't yeah, know if odds, I'd put but, him to win. I, I like I'd like a top ten out of him. I think that would be. Right. I think a top ten there would. And would who? Be. Uh, who do you think will win? Who's your winner? Forgetting about the odds, even if the odds are in Scotty, Rory's, John Rahm's favor, like, do you have a winner? You know, I, I don't, but the, the, like, I don't feel good about this answer. But when you said, do you have a winner? Like, asking me specifically, the person whose face I saw that came to mind is Will Zalatoris. Wow, and really? As someone who was, was second just last year two years ago whenever that was and then second in the open i i, I think that's i don't mind that i, I kind of like the zalatoris and what he's 
doing hit it to the middle and make some putts. Wow, interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, Will, he's, he's coming off an injury. He's not playing the greatest. He did get booted out of, you know, the the group play in, in the match play. Um, but odds-wise, he's he's got better odds in terms of possibly winning it than Sam Burns. So it's hard to say, like, it's a it's not a, quote, good bet. So, I mean, yeah. So Do you see one of the favorites winning it? I always like to stay away from the favorites because I think those are, like, uh, I don't know. So, so very rarely does the fa- the actual favorite win it. I just feel like somebody else might, but Rory's going to be a top ten. Rom's going to be a top ten. Um, Scotty's going to be a top ten. I, I just feel like those are those are almost like too obvious. So I always like to stay away from that. But it, but how can you like who's playing better golf than those guys? How can you argue right. against those guys? So. I don't know. I would always those are those are two those are three really good bets. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean I, I got I got I mean when you think back to Dottie Pepper, she specifically told us that Jordan Spieth was gonna win the thing. Yeah. So I mean I think like I at least I'd like to think Jord you know, Dottie knows what she's talking about. So if you want to wager on something, you know, Jordan Spieth He's plus sixteen hundred. That's, that's you know, a great so one. And know. Jordan is. I, I've always. I've been a huge Jordan fan since he came on. I absolutely love something about him that I've just always loved. Like in that whole group of like those younger guys, I love Jordan. And mm-hmm. playing better, he plays well. His game fits Augusta for some reason. Um, that's a great one. Yeah, and and you know, I have two people that I absolutely you know love in terms of thinking they have a very, very good chance. And then I got one wild card. So I'll tell you who I have in terms of like who I, I I like a lot. So I think when I think about Augusta National, I think about the Masters, it's always people that know the golf course very well, that have either played there, that have a lot or won in the past. Those are always the names that we see in the leaderboard. And I think we always kind of laugh around that you see Freddie Couples' names always around the, you know, the leaderboard in terms of like even par because he just knows the golf course so damn well, regardless of his age, how far he hits it, so on and so forth. So I think that's yeah. a reason why everybody go ahead. What did you say? I was just gonna say, we we also for you know, we haven't mentioned any of the live guys. Right. Right. So I mean when you think about like the history of it, like you got how can you count out Scotty? How can you count I you know, I know Rory's never won, but like he's always around the leaderboard. So how do you count him out? Jordan Spieth has won before, so you got you have guys there that have a history of playing very well and, and in Ror and in Scotty's and Jordan's case, they've won. So it's tough to argue that. But I guess for me, like I I absolutely think a guy like Dustin Johnson, and I you you jumped on the live thing oh. before I could get it out <laughs> fast enough. I know he's not playing very well, but Dustin Johnson, and I know it's a live guy and it can be some controversy because he's live. He's just a guy that obviously he's won there in the past. He just doesn't care about anything and he's just going to go mash the golf ball. And I can see a guy like that who just doesn't care, but also knows the golf course so damn well playing very, very well there. I do. I just feel like it's a place that like, you know, your your juices get flowing. It's the Masters. It's the green jacket. Everybody's watching. So I, I, I like Justin Johnson this week. I also, 
and I get, I know this is, he's not playing particularly well, but he's been very successful there, is Hideki Matsuyama. Another guy that has won there. He's playing pretty well this week out at the Valero Texas Open. Like, he's putting some rounds together. He can make birdies and on, uh, uh, like, you just can't believe. Like, to me, those are two guys, when you look at the betting odds, that they're not favorites to win. Okay, they're not. But I know that they know the golf course. I know that they've won. They've made big-time putts, and they've hit big-time shots. So to me, those are two guys that I would be placing money on if I was a gambling man. I would, because I think those are relatively good odds for both of them when I look at the numbers. Um, and then for me, I listen, I know this may seem like absolutely outrageous in terms of saying this name. But I again, ever, I, you can't count them out. And I'm putting Tiger Woods as my outlier. Like, he is a guy That's that I don't care where he is, what is going on. When he shows up to Augusta, you can't tell me you count him out. Because we all know if it's Sunday afternoon and we're on the back nine and that man's name is somewhere on that leaderboard, we all know what they all do. Uh-oh, here he comes. There's a lot different of a roar when Scotty makes a birdie or if Tiger makes a birdie or if Rory makes a birdie. Everybody knows when it's Tiger. So to me, my dark horse, which I don't even know how I can even say this as a dark horse, is Tiger fucking Woods. That's a, that's a bold one. Again, like you said, going down the, down the leaderboard or down the odds board a little bit, to, to find Tiger, but you're right. I mean, there's, I, I mentioned it before with Jordan's game, Tiger, Tiger could play Augusta blindfolded. I'm positive of that. Point him in the direction in which the hole is. And he goes, no, 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 I can't put it there because the pin is on the right there. There's a shelf there. Like that's how well he knows it blindfolded. He still knows like, I can't mess with the, with a, a shelf there. Cause It'll, it'll roll off the other way. I got to put it over here. That's how well that he knows that golf course. So he's never out of it. The only thing is, is he going to physically be able to be in good enough shape? And I mean shape by like his legs. Are they strong enough to go through all of that, that treacherous walk? Again, Dottie talked about how, how much the walk of Augusta just like the TVs don't do it justice. That it's still even more than, than it looks. Is he going to be able to handle that? And if he is, then yes, he's going to be in contention. If it's up in the air, then then it's going to be a significantly bigger hill to climb. No pun intended. I think I think if we all as golfers have learned one thing about Tiger Woods, right? Don't count him out. Never count him out. Nope. So again, listen, at plus 5,000, how can you not sprinkle a little bit of money on him? Because if he wins the damn thing, we're all going to say, how could I not have bet that? How could I not have bet that? So listen, Tiger Woods, Mike's dark horse to win the Masters. My two, my two picks, I'm taking Matsuyama and Dustin Johnson. I might put some shekels down, but I don't, I hate for golf. I hate picking a winner because there's so many options and there's so many variables. And one day could ruin, like, you pick somebody and they have a bad day, 
and they miss the cut, you don't even have that. Like you're now just out of that option. You don't even have two more days to kind of figure it out. So I like doing top tens more when I do bet golf. And so I pulled up the list and I would definitely put it on Jordan. Like we talked about, uh, I think it's tough not to put it on JT. I always like sprinkling some on him. I like Xander more than I like someone like Colin Morikawa, who's in the same same realm. Uh, but I will say a name that I forgot that I do like is Max Homa. That's one that I I would I would like to go back and put put a couple on him for a top ten. So that what's that three four five something like that? I said Zalatoris before. Those are all people I'd like that again. I hate doing the winning for golf, but those are all guys that I would, I can foresee being in the in the mix come Sunday. Yep, I'll listen, and it, it's going to be a great week, and I and I can't wait to be sitting on the couch just watching as much as I can. Oh gosh, are you going to play any golf on Sunday? Golf in the morning, so, Masters in no, the afternoon. No, there is no golfing on Sunday. Um, Sunday will be a beach day, and then Easter dinner with the family. I'll actually be down in Jupiter. With my mom and dad. Not too bad. And I'm actually, uh, we've been talking about it. I'm spending it in Myrtle with my mom and stepdad. So we'll be uh, we'll be doing Easter dinner there as well. But yeah, it's a it's a couch day. Once the coverage comes on, it's it's all in. Dr. Mike Pomacala at Sports Solutions Physical Therapy and Performance Development is located in Middletown, New Jersey. A Titleist Performance Institute medical practitioner, Dr. Mike uses a hands-on approach with his clients to get them out of pain and back onto the golf course. No pain, no problem. Assessments are available for golfers looking to improve flexibility, power, strength, stability, and overall efficiency with their golf swing. Don't let this function disrupt your swing. Schedule an evaluation with a TPI physical therapist and check out Dr. Mike at sportsolutionspt.com and on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. Uh, All right, guys. So we have kind of mentioned here on the pod that uh, I've been doing TPI training with Dr. Mike. I kind of talked about it a couple episodes ago maybe more than a couple episodes ago now, and uh, kind of talked about what it is and what we were doing and haven't, haven't really come back fully to it, but today we're going to. Um, we, we hit the three-month mark uh, with Dr. Mike and we retested, and the results of that test were, were pretty good. Um, I went from a 33 TPI handicap index the first time to an 11 TPI handicap index this time. So big improvements. And I was really hoping just to break 20. I, I told Dr. Mike, I was like, I just, I want to improve. I want to break, I want to break 20. I want to get into the teens. And I didn't get into the teens. Um, and, and I'll tell you how he told me in a little bit. But we are joined by Dr. Mike uh, to help, uh, help tell, help me tell the story of, uh, of the last couple months there. Mike, thanks for joining. Thank you guys for having me. It's awesome to be here. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I listen every week. So when you guys asked me to come on, I jumped out the chance. So thank you guys. Dr. Mike, real quick, real quick. I I mean, when we talk about Ryan going from 33 
to 11, I got to hear the backstory, like where he was when he first arrived at your place. And then if you press the fast forward button, like, have you seen someone progress in such a way that he ended up doing? I mean, to me, those numbers are just unbelievably good. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, the joke is my patients call me Magic Mike. So a little bit of his, his my magic I can't deal out for you guys. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so the the thing I like to preach most is, especially with my patients, is consistency, right? I might see you one hour a week. And what you do on your own time is, you know, more important than what we do. So I always try, first and foremost, you know, here's your home program. This is when you have to do it. This is why we're doing it. And then each week we kind of see what progressions have been made. Um, and we kind of change our focus depending on, um, you know, how that patient or client is progressing. Like Ryan said, going back to that first uh, evaluation, the golf swing has such tiny, intricate movements in it. And, you know, you guys are aware of just those tiny stabilizers that, we don't always really train or know how to train in the gym at home. So really just getting the patient aware of how my hips, pelvis, trunk, ankles move and can stabilize. And you don't realize those little things that once you're aware of it, you're like, well, holy smokes, like this, this changes like everything, you know, how I feel the ground, how I feel my turn. So like Ryan said, you know, I'd said in the past, just, just being aware of those things is gold in my opinion and then you know you can just make mo little modifications uh as we go right i guess tell us tell the audience a little bit like so how often were you go are you going to dr mike how often are you doing things behind the scenes away from him um why don't you give us a little bit about like your journey rye so i i think we've been pretty solid you talked about consistency mike we've been we've been pretty solidly doing it once a week Usually on Sunday mornings, uh, Mike's been nice enough to to run away from his family for an hour, and uh, and it's typically been been Sunday mornings, uh, with a couple weeks of doing doing it on different day because Sunday didn't work. But I think the I think the once a week thing with you, Mike, has been the been the key. And then at home, you know, I have my TPI. When, when you do the TPI test, you get like a little app and it has your exercises on it. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was not very good about doing it with any kind of regularity. <laughs> the, and Ryan would tell I, me, you know, he'd be like, yeah, Dr. Mike, I got to tell you, I wasn't so great about doing my exercise this week. College basketball was on all week. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, and, and that's the thing, like, Life gets in the way, you know what I mean? But you have to just kind of learn to roll with the punches and do what you can when you can. And, you know, we're humans. Things happen, you know, class now with golf and everything. You got to sometimes you're able to do it. Sometimes you're not. But the thing is, you get back on the horse to keep riding. You know? Yeah. So so I'd say I'd say it was once a week with with Mike and then once or twice a week with it with the, like opening up the app and doing those exercises and and even that I, I wouldn't even say it was like that i was great about doing that it was like I, I would stretch you know and i knew that like i knew some of my 
you know, some of the exercises require like a, you know, like a stabilizing ball or something like that. And and I just, you know, I'd be sitting on the floor being like, well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, just going to do this stretch or this. There's like a where your feet are wide and you're just moving your feet in and out, almost like windshield washers with your with your feet. And like something like that was was, you know, like, again, I would do that while I wasn't doing like all of the exercises. So. um so yeah, I, I would say not. I wasn't terribly disciplined in that regard for the TPI stuff, but my goal was more flexibility. And, and while it wasn't discipline with the TPI stuff, it was more doing stretches and kind of incorporating them a, a little bit. And, and obviously, it it shows you how easy it is to do. I had lots of room to be more disciplined. I, I'll just leave it like that. And and I still made. Tremendous yeah, job. So I guess, I guess, Dr. Mike, my question is, is like knowing Ryan's background of being an athlete, being a basketball player, being someone who's, who's just been an stud active, athlete. You forgot the word stud. So Ryan's background of just being <laughs> yeah, an athlete, you know, athlete. like does that, <laughs> does, does that help him progress maybe faster? Which is why like, if he's not a hundred percent disciplined in the program, he's able to see exponential results a little quicker than maybe a non-athlete. Absolutely. And, and part of it goes back to what I was explaining before, just the patient or client's ability to um, tap into what they're feeling. Um, someone who's an athlete kind of knows that process, knows what they're supposed to feel. So they get, they might get it a little quicker. Um, and it's, it's in, in our health field is what we call motor control, right? How well can you uh, take a sequence or a movement and have the control enough to do it and do it properly, right? So it's not necessarily like a strength component, but like if I ask you to ride a bike, you can just kind of hop on a bike and you know how to ride it, right? That's ingrained in you. Um, sort of like a golf swing can be a little bit. Um, so with Ryan, it wasn't as much of, like we said, those like phasic muscles, which are like the power muscles, like, you know, your quadriceps, your lats, your pecs. It's more of those tiny stabilizers that we had to work with um, or work on. And once he was able to kind of really just tap into it, um, his progress just like excels greatly. And um, to go back to your question, I do think because someone like Ryan uh, was a previous stud athlete, um, still is. Thank you. Um, he was able to kind of get what I'm trying to kind of show him uh, a little bit faster than say someone who um, maybe, and this might sound uh, kind of like, whoa, really? Like someone who might've just played golf their whole life because, you know, golf uses a certain amount of, of again, muscles and stabilizers, but traditionally people who have just golf never really dove into that whole history of getting your, your cardiovascular component down and your strength component down. Um, so like you guys know, there's a lot that goes into the golf swing. Um, so just for Ryan, we just working on some of those stabilizing muscles. And like you said, some of his range of motion, um, this guy excelled. Like I said, I, when I read him back, um, his score, I did that old, you know, traditional, it's not good. It's great sort of thing. Um, and it was, it was, it was really cool to see him, uh, <laughs> you know, score like you did. 
I got I got so many questions about this whole TPI. I'm thing. here for you, man. Whatever um, you need, just ask. <laughs> I, I, I like Mike kept saying just to kind of piggyback on what on what he just said. He kept saying this phrase in in regards to me, like you 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 can't shoot a cannon off a canoe. It's my fa- one of my favorite quotes, and that's like like it really and it and it, it resonated with me because like I am pretty powerful, pretty strong. And like, like I could do a bench press, I could do a squat, I can do those kind of things. But, but it's the little stabilizers where like, it doesn't matter how powerful the cannon is. If the canoe isn't stabilized, it's not really going to matter. And so that's what we were working on those, those little stabilizers to get me, you know, we're not at a, we're not at a, a, military vessel yet to shoot cannons off of, but right. (laughs) But the canoe's a little bigger. You're in a rowboat now. We'll put you in a rowboat, you know, we'll put you (laughs) in a rowboat as you you stream down the stream down the river. Um, So like, I guess, you know, looking at where this TPI and I, and again, I I think it's a very interesting, interesting thing because you hear a lot of the tour pros doing it. Um, Justin Thomas being one guy that kind of sticks out in my mind that I've heard him do it. Like, I, and not to cut you off, John Rahm too is a big is a big TPI. There you guy. go. Okay, so obviously yeah. the best in the world when we we're talking about guys yeah. fully being invested in this. Like, I guess my question is like, and it's tough to compare people because I always say like comparisons a thief of joy. So me looking at what you are and me looking at what I am is not fair, but like. What are those guys at? Are they, is there such thing as a negative number? Like, I don't, you know, no, no disrespect to Ryan, but like their golf games and their abilities a lot different. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're both athletes. Yeah. Well, they're stud athletes. You're just an athlete. <laughs> there you go. Um, that, that's a great question. I don't think there is a negative number, right? And from what I'm familiar with, I think actually the lowest number is a five um and i'll be fair and say i don't know why that is um but if I, you just do a perfect screen everything is screen it comes as up as a five so um i don't have a good answer for you i'm actually meeting with some of the tpi guys again uh later next month um so that'll be a question i actually have for them um and i can relay it back to you guys yeah i i guess it just interests me because i look at those and i because that that you know progression that ryan made is unbelievable. And I think like a lot of us realize it's not going to, it's like someone, when you break a hundred for the first time, you're not going to get to 70 overnight. 100%. Whereas a 33 could get to an 11 in the TPI numbers. Exactly. You know, Ryan go from 11 to 10 now, maybe way, way more difficult. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, like you said, and, and, and things happen, right? So life happens. So, um, you know, he can go play, uh, you know, around, um, and he takes one misstep and maybe he tweaks his foot a little bit. And so now we, you know, work on his foot, we retest and his, maybe his scores aren't as good as they once were. It's just like your golf game. You know, you're going to have some good days. You're going to have some bad days, but the main thing I like to just drive and focus on is just that consistency. Right. So everyone's going to have a setback every once in a while. Um, it's just the way the human body is, right. You know, we're not built made to build and, last and live a hundred years we're going to eventually break down in some capacity um, but it's just knowing one your own body and what some of your breakdowns or limitations might be um, and basically how to not prevent because um 
there's like a misnomer in our in our world, like you can prevent an injury from happening, right? Like there's really no way you can prevent an injury from happening, but we can do all the steps we need to take to minimize the risk of that injury to happen, right? Um, and so, like you said, just um, comes down to just trying to be consistent. And like you said, that last little bit is usually the longest to happen because um, just like anything, you know, the body can reach a plot. Um, again, life gets in the way. So um, yeah, you know, I don't expect, well, with this stud athlete, I do expect him to test it like this every time. But, um, you know, if he has uh, a couple points where he, he goes backwards a little bit, it's just a natural, natural curve of that point. Right. And then I guess, I guess with, with someone being a consistent person in the TPI world, like what are some of the pros that someone could see? Like if someone's on the, if someone's listening right now and you're like, well, why would I get involved? Does it, does it, it, nothing I obviously understand can guarantee anything, but like by me coming to Dr. Mike and improving my TPI numbers, the X, what, what will improve? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Could their golf so, game improve? Um, absolutely. hundred percent. So um, that's a great question. So me, me being a, um, a doctor of physical therapy and uh, a board-certified orthopedic specialist and a board-certified sports specialist, in addition to uh, conditioning that, I deal with a lot of athletes and golfers who first and foremost have pain, pain while they play, pain in their everyday life. So one of my biggest things is, okay, where and why is this pain happening? You know, was it a single incident or is it? starting to chronically build over time. Um, we get down to the root of that. We fix that, um, which then go back to the TPI and the golf swing. We hopefully are now playing golf and living with minimal pain or pain-free. So that's number one. Number two is, um, and I'm sure most people can relate, is um, sometimes when you're not hitting the ball, striking the ball, you, you just know something in your swing is off and you can do, you know, so many drills to try and, you know, ball strike better or not draw it as much. Um, and, you know, with the pandemic, people's lives changed. And so, you know, people are now maybe at home working on the couch, not realizing that their hips are actually getting a little stiffer because they're not up walking to a bus, commuting, standing at work, walking from um, office to office. They're kind of just on their couch, you know, their back gets a little bit more stiff. So just in general, you know, improving your overall health and quality of life is um, an awesome secondary benefit from, um, you know, just seeing a physical therapist or, um, uh, you know, especially because, you know, we're talking about golf, someone who's in the medical sort of TPI realm where, you know, not can we just get you out of pain while you golf? But can we get you out of pain while you're trying to sleep or, you know, just daily living? So um, I always say that's a great secondary benefit from, from seeing a, um, a specialist like myself. Yeah. If, if you have the ability to, to go, you absolutely should, because there's, as Mike said, that like chronic pain, like as we get older, the, the body starts to break down and just trying to keep it, you know, as, as well oiled as possible within a lifestyle that you, you know, you can keep up. I'm not turning, I'm not turning vegetarian and, and, uh, or vegan and, or become a yogi, but I, this is something that was super beneficial to me. Someone who's had surgeries, who, who doesn't, didn't fully understand the connection between all the body parts. So like 
So like I've had right ankle surgery a, a few times and I've had left ankle surgery as well. But like understanding how my foot grasps the ground on my right side and how that affects my left hip and how that affects how my trunk and, you know, my trunk can disassociate from my hips and how my right hip then is going to be more powerful than my left hip. And that now, now we're at the hips, my right hip is stronger. So my right hip is pushing. And instead of my left hip pulling as I'm coming through the golf swing, it's getting pushed, which in turn is having it come up instead of back. And then there's my, there's my fade uh, to a power fade. So like all those things being connected is, is something that I don't think a lot of people realize and that Mike has brought to my attention. And then we, when, then we fixed the things and worked on those things specifically that are, uh, again, turned it in from a, a, you know, a cannon off a canoe to a cannon off a rowboat. Yeah. Listen, I, listen, I, I love the, I mean, you said this way back in, in December when you and I talked about like, you know, New Year's resolutions and then heading into the new year about goals that you wanted to, you know, find a way to accomplish. And, and there's no doubt, you know, hearing what Dr. Mike says to where you are today, right? It's, it's significantly better. Um, and hopefully that translates to your golf game dropping 22 strokes because by that time you'll be giving me some shots. So I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving this progression. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to happen because I have played a little bit. And, and, and this is kind of what I was going to say. It's funny how now, Mike, I can, as we've gone through and like as things are stronger, it's going to take me a while of hitting balls to, to get my hips in tune and in line with where the ball should. Like I'm used to being at a certain timing and now because they're both running at, you know, how they should be in the couple times I've played. I've had a lot more duck hooks than I've ever had in my life because of the timing is off. So I don't know if it's going to equate right away to lower golf scores, but it definitely, I can, I can feel it right away. As soon as I hit it going, I know exactly what I did. And that's just like, I'm miss, I'm miss timing in that way. So it might take a little bit of, again, hitting, hitting balls and that sort of thing. But, um, I do, I do think that, as I said back at some point, you know, in the podcast, this was a great way to spend the winter getting better at your golf game. While now I have to continue to get better, but like I think that next step is is the is the is the on-course stuff, the hitting balls at the range, the getting the timing right, like getting my game, uh, getting my game right. And uh, just to piggyback off that, right? And um, that's that's bring, you bring up two great points. So the first is. Um, when, when we achieve a newfound mobility, right, right, whether it's through hands-on mobilizations that we do um, or um, continuing you know, your TPI mobility drills, your body has to relearn how to move in that newfound mobility. So it doesn't automatically just snap your fingers and you like, oh, I'm moving freely again. You know, your body and your brain have to reconnect how to move in that newfound range of motion. And then this comes to my second point is I tell every patient or client, first and foremost, I am not a golf coach. I do not instruct the golf swing. I do not teach a golf swing. So my goal is for you to physically have the capacity to perform a swing that is tailored for your body. Once that is said and done, if you have a golf coach, 
they're usually happy at this point because now you can get your shoulder rotated more or you can, you know, slide a little bit more efficiently onto your lead hit. So, you know, I always say, you know, when you're, when a patient's done or if they don't have a coach, maybe we'll help you find a coach just to take a new lesson or two, just to kind of get your body in tuned and tapped into that newfound range of motion. They can help you with some timing things. And then usually, you know, you're good to just keep working at it. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you're telling me if his if his hips are able to to move the way Shakira <laughs> mentions, I mean, once he's able to get that left yeah, side yeah. flying through, I mean, goodness gracious, we might you know we might really see this power he keeps talking about because, um, you know, once those hips move, boy, who knows where that golf ball can go? And if he's hitting high draws instead of slap fades, my oh my. Um, well, well, like listen, I said, we're not, Mike, we're not there yet, but but hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, listen, I I appreciate you coming on here and, and giving us, you know, the three month synopsis of where Ryan was to where he is, and I guess I'm cautiously optimistic in three more months that number does not go higher and it dips down. And you know, I know you and I kind of were talking about scratch by the fall. Um, so big fella, we, we got to keep it. trending I, I'm that a, direction, I'm a pal. Scratch fitness handicap. You know what I mean? Oh, all right. I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't read the fine print Nobody underneath. So that's it's, probably it. The, the, the asterisk. Yeah. I, I, I thought there was a fine, like five size font underneath. Um, but no, it's been a, a pleasure to uh, work with Ryan and, um, and uh, thank you for having me. Like I'm a, a big fan every week on my drive home from work. So um, you guys are always a great listen. So thank you for having me. Hey, Mike, thank you. You you, uh, you certainly are. I can't tell you how much I appreciate. Again, I, I feel like I tell you this all the time, but I don't want it to fall on deaf ears. I really appreciate all the work that you've done with me, all the support that you've given me throughout. Again, moving your schedule around for this, that, or the other thing. I It's... This doesn't happen without you, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. My pleasure. It's what I love to do. So, so listen, if, if you don't know where you can find Dr. Mike, listen, head over to sportsolutionspt.com or on Instagram at sportsolutionspt. Give Dr. Mike a follow. Reach out because clearly you can see you know, the results that Ryan has, has had and you put the time and effort in, you, you know, who knows what, can, what it can do for you. So, you know, Dr. Mike, thank you for stopping on here for a few minutes um, and hopefully you continue working with the big fella to get him ready to go. So thanks again, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Sounds good. See ya. Take care. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top-quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. 
If you have planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. So today's guest, listen, we've been unbelievably lucky in knocking it out as a home run after home run after home run with the guests that we've had come on the show. And we're just going to continue that trend today. Um, our guest is Will Celeberti. He plays out of Arcola Country Club, Bergen Catholic High School, New Jersey kid through and through. I'm going to go a little through, go through some things real quickly here on Will. Um, he won the NJSGA Boys State Championship in 2016, where he birdied eight of the last 10 holes to win. In 2017, he won the Junior New Jersey PGA Championship after shooting a final, a first round 66. In 2019, which was a huge year for Will, um, he won the 102nd Met Junior first in 40 years to win after finishing runner-up the prior year. He was also New Jersey's high school golfer of the year. He currently plays Division I golf at the University of Maryland. But I think the one thing that, that Will's name kind of stands out more so than anything is he's the reigning NJSGA state amateur champion where he carded a bogey-free third-round 64 to win at Rockaway River. Will, I appreciate you giving us a few minutes to come on the show here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, when I got your DM, uh, it's my first podcast, so definitely was intrigued, and I'm uh, super excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, when I, I, I can't lie. Ryan knows this. Like when I find things on Instagram or social media, like I'm instantly trying to plug us in and get us talking to people like yourself to give them a platform to say, "Hey, listen, let's. We're all about golfing in the Garden State." And, you know, we were lucky to get Lewis Kelly, who won the NGSGA State Open. Um, so, you know, getting you on with their tournaments right around the corner, it's like, you know, we couldn't be more lucky, more or less. So um, let's dive a little bit into your background. Um, obviously, being a New Jersey kid through and through, that is right up our niche in terms of what we're trying to, you know, bring about, you know, um, some some things to. So obviously being Bergen Catholic, Maryland, um, why don't you talk a little bit about your journey starting this whole thing from the beginning? Uh, I'd actually go, uh, Will, did you pick Maryland because the same colors as Bird Catholic? Is that why? <laughs> uh, I did, I did not. Um, the colors weren't huge, but they, uh, I definitely liked them. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey, like from a junior golfer to, to kind of maybe where you are today. Yeah, so I definitely took a little bit of a different route. I um, didn't really pe play competitively till my eighth grade summer. Um, I was a big, big lacrosse guy. So in my summers, it was playing, it was going and traveling, playing club lacrosse, hoping for a chance to go to college for that. I don't really know why, but I started playing golf with my dad a lot more and I kind of fell in love with it. So I started competitively in eighth grade. Uh, I don't think I broke 80 for maybe till like just going in the high school uh, in a golf tournament. So 
I definitely was, as like some people say, a late bloomer. So I ended up going to Bergen. I had no really goals of anything. I just wanted to have fun and play golf. And Coach Jim Jacobson, I mean, we would we would be playing like 49. I think we were like 49 and 0 most years when we were there. Like we were playing every single day. So um, and I'm definitely more of a player than a practicer. But so I went to Bergen. Didn't really do much until, I mean, I won the boys, but that was the first big thing where I thought that I had a chance to maybe not come to a place like Maryland, but have a chance to play college golf. Um, and as you said earlier, 2019 definitely was my biggest year. It was kind of like, I kind of felt like once I committed, it took some weight off of my shoulders because I felt like I'm like my two good friends were Jack Wall and Brendan Hansen, and they both committed before me. So I was like, wanted to get it done kind of but yeah I uh, committed to Maryland I think the August of 2018 maybe and then that 2019 year was kind of just go out there and have fun and not have to think about the whole college aspect and just play golf and have fun in tournaments rather than like grind because there's five coaches following you and watching your every shot so was 2019 your senior year of high school so, right. the tw- yeah, the 2019, the year that when I started playing well in 2019 was the summer after I graduated. Gotcha. So, but, but 20, you graduated in May, June yeah, of 2019. Yeah. Gotcha. So that, yeah, so that summer going into your freshman year was huge. Yeah, it was, it gave me a lot of confidence going into college. Like, I mean, my, our college obviously got, that season got cut short. I think we played maybe one tournament in the fall. I think our season got canceled. We were in Puerto Rico and we got back and then it got canceled. But yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence. I played pretty well my freshman year here. So yeah, it was definitely a big year. Yeah. And and just to kind of like go through that, you know, 2019, obviously you mentioned, you know, Jack and Brendan, um, two very good golfers in their own in their own right too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you did when in order to win the New Jersey High School Golf of the Year, and I and I say this because I know a lot of high school kids will DM us or ask us questions about like, you know, like what did they do to get there? So like I guess your senior year, obviously with New Jersey, there's only one season for golf. It's in the spring. So like, can you give us a little bit if you recall, maybe like some big time finishes, maybe your low round, things like that? Because I know that we get asked that question a lot, you know, on the side and not so much in public, but about your senior year? So I think my, like we did nine hole matches and then we obviously had 18 hole tournaments, but I think my nine hole score, at least in North Jersey was like the average was the best. I think it was like 36.1 or something, something around that. So that definitely helped. And then my senior year, I wasn't even going that low. I just was shooting like one and two under in pretty much every tournament. I might've won, I think I might've won three of our 18 hole tournaments. Uh, I know I won the big North conference. I think I shot 70. I won this one tournament. Is that Rivervale, I think? That was just like, our coach would get us into all these like little invitationals. Um, So yeah, I think I won three out of probably eight tournaments and honestly the only tournament that I didn't play well in was the last one in the tournament of champions which definitely wasn't the best because the only time we won 
was my freshman year of high school and I wasn't on the lineup. So. so that gives that gives the audience an idea in terms of like someone at your level, because I, I know I hear it from a lot of different people like, oh, I wonder what they did. But, you know, because we've had Jack on the show, we've had Chris Goddard up on the show and they've kind of talked about what they've done. But, you know, them being more local to the kids that are, are in our area. You know, so more or less, you're you're shooting even par. You're winning multiple tournaments. So I think that kind of gives high school kids a, a little bit of perspective in terms of like, because you hear it, they want to get to the level that you're at, and you know, you know, you got to be pretty damn successful to do that. So then you get to Maryland. Well, I think Mike, if um, I can just chime in there, I think that's great. Yeah, for, go for it. No, Sorry, I Ron. think that's that's a great point because like you got so many kids that are that that do chirp in and they and they say, oh, my average is a forty three. 43 is really nice. You're, you're, you're a really nice golfer, but as you see, it's, that's seven strokes, eight strokes away from your average. And, and really in those eight strokes, there's tens of thousands of golfers who are trying to play division one. So like that, that difference is, is while it's, it seems, you know, small and, and again, 43 is a, you're a nice high school golfer. It's not, you're not going to get to the plateau. So one of the things that, Mike, I know you find in coaching, I find in coaching is having expectations match up to what you're, what you're doing. And you might, that's something to work for. Not saying you shouldn't work for it, but that's not, the reality is what you're shooting, right? Golf's one of those games where it's kind of easy to tell the kind of golfer you are because it's number based. Yeah. And I, and I think that to Will's point, I think that's a hundred percent. And what you're saying is, is accurate. Um, so I guess I want to real quick rewind because I think what you mentioned to me about the Met Junior and the story behind that, um, yeah. I, I think is a great, great story that I think the audience would would truly enjoy. So obviously you won the Met Junior that same summer going into your freshman year of college. But why don't you tell the audience the story behind that? Yeah, so obviously the year prior I finished runner up and it definitely hurt a lot. And it was one of the tournaments, like being a uh, MJ winner was always like a big uh, goal of mine. So it was nice knocking it out of the way, but I'm hoping for a few more. But so <laughs> I remember my, uh, my dad, like right when the schedule came out, I saw that it was at Southward Ho and my whole family's from Long Island. So I'm like asking my dad, I was like, have you ever heard of this place? Like, is it any good? He's like, I have no idea. He's like, I, I've heard it's okay. So we get there. Weirdly, we're like, I, we stayed at this inn. And weirdly, my dad knew like everything around this place. And I was like, I, I was something's got to be up. Um, so anyways, I think I only made match play by one or two. Um, started playing uh, really good at match play. And uh, beat Luke Sample, who super accomplished player. He's playing at Duke now. And... I so I win and my dad I've never seen him cry in my life and he like get, he gives me a hug and he's tearing up and then like right before he right before I'm about to get like the thank you speech and everything he told me he grew up playing here he said my his parents my grandparents would drop him off at like eight in the morning in the summer and he'd be there till 5 p.m just in the summer camps and everything like that so it was basically my dad basically taught me how to play like I didn't have a swing coach until this year. So he was kind of the guy I would go to. So getting to win something at a place like that and where he grew up playing and where my grandfather grew up playing, it was super cool. 
I think I even might have like teared up when I brought it up in the thank you speech. And I don't, I don't even like cry at all like that. <laughs> yeah, that, listen, when you told me that story, I was like, dude, that is a phenomenal story that needs to be shared because I, to, to your dad's credit, I, I couldn't imagine not saying anything like, oh, you know, even before you get into the tournament, because you're going to kind of want to like give any piece of advice or tips about yeah. the place. And clearly if your dad grew up playing there as often as he did to say nothing, and then you still go out and accomplish what you did. It's like, wow. Yeah. He, you know, wow. He, I played, I played it a week before the tournament with his, he said it was like his work buddy that I didn't meet, but I guess it was like one of his friends who uh, he like was at Southward Hill with him when he was younger. So, but yeah, it was crazy. He was like, I remember my grandma was like, after he was like, he didn't tell you all that time. I was like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And then obviously what led to Maryland? Because obviously that summer's huge. You know, you, you, you win the, the Met Junior, you know, your high school golfer of the year in New Jersey. What, obviously I'm going to assume that you were highly recruited then coming out of Bergen Catholic. Like, why Maryland? Um, so I would say that I wasn't as highly recruited as it might seem. Uh, definitely a little bit of a late bloomer, and I did have my best golf after I committed. But um, so I think I, my, I was down to, it was weird. Lo, they're like, all the schools are within 40 minutes of each other. But like three of my top five were Maryland, Loyola, Maryland, Georgetown. Um, and then I was talking to Notre Dame which probably was my dream school, but it uh, didn't end up working out, which I would say I'm thankful for. Like Maryland is one of my favorite places in the world. But um, so I was talking to Maryland with, it was at the time it was Coach Rodenhaver and Coach Delmar. And then right before I was about, which I felt like I was about to get an offer, the Coach Delmar got the, I think the assistant pro job at Columbia Country Club, which is right down the road, really cool place. So then there was a whole new assistant coach, Coach Hastings. Um, and so he came out and kind of prolonged the process. Um, but I remember I came here on my first visit. And even my mom would like joke around because she's like sad I'm graduating and everything. Um, but she, like, I remember I got here and I told her, I was like, it's like home. I was like, the facilities, we don't have indoor, but everything else about them, like you can get better here regardless um if we I like I think most big times have a indoor but I mean Maryland's facilities like our short game facility is unbelievable you can spend all day out there um so I'd say the biggest thing was it wasn't far that far from home I kind of felt like it was the perfect distance because if I want to go home I could um but if I don't I don't it's like I could be like oh it's a three and a half hour drive um but no, and the athletic department is like we have tutors. Um, like our advisor is unbelievable. Like I, I'll text her out of the blue. Like she's super, super nice. And one of the biggest things that I thought was, one, our coaches were very like, I for me when I practice, I like to either be competitive with someone, play. Like it's hard for me to hit balls for two hours, like some kids do. And our coaches, like my, my biggest thing, I wanted practice to be more like a game 
um, if it's a chipping contest, wedges or whatever. And our coaches um, all said that would be happening. So it kind of just fit and checked all my boxes. Um, and again, it was a good academically school. Um, so yeah, it, it basically just checked every box that I wanted. Um, and yes, the colors are, are nice. <laughs> Will, is, I, I want to go back to something you said. You said that you were a late bloomer, but you already were kind of decided between all of these Division One schools. So what do you mean by late bloomer? Like, how are you defined? Like, what were your scores? Like, you're like Division One golfer before, and then you hit your bloom. Is like, oh, okay. I'm still a late bloomer. That's I feel a, like right, right now. I'm, well, that's, that's why I'm asking because I, I want, want to find this. out when I'm going to bloom here. So I would say that me saying a late bloomer is also because, other than winning that uh, Jersey Junior tournament, I didn't play on the national like do anything on the national stage until midway through the summer of my junior year like going in the senior year so that is already a late bloomer because back then it was like you could commit in eighth grade the guys for i knew kids who were committed to stanford they were like stanford 23 in 2015 <laughs> um and then yeah so i would say that like i played my best golf after I committed, but I did well in a lot of AJGAs my junior year. I think I had like three top tens maybe in my junior year in the AJGA. You can only play five tournaments a year. So I definitely would say that I was a late bloomer from junior and senior year. I got you. I appreciate the definition. Uh, I'm still I'm still working on yeah. my blooming. So eventually it's going to blossom and I'm just going to, you know, maybe senior tour at this point, maybe. But let's go into the big one, um, because I think the, you know, when in the state am, how you did, you know, obviously, you know, Ryan and I, we talked to so many guests about this and, you know, I, I nerd out on all these stats, the numbers, the articles, you guys, because to me, you guys are just like unbelievable golfers that I just like wish I could strike it like you guys do. But I mean, when I think about your round and I look at the breakdown, like, Tell me about the 64, bro. I mean, because that is like stupid golf. And and I know it was at Rockaway River. And one of our earlier guests that was on, you know, maybe a couple episodes earlier was Alex Beach. And he talked about how every time a tournament was at Rockaway River, he just was always so damn successful there. And he just loved it. And it's just kind of fitting that like now we're going to talk to you about how you were very successful at the same place. So let's talk about the 64, man. Yeah. So. I uh, I would say I played okay the first two days, but I remember I was like reading the article the NJSGA put out, and it was all they were talking about was uh, Pat Wilson and Chris DeJean, and Chris is a good friend, but I was like, I mean, I didn't, I was like, I think I was like six or seven back, so I wasn't like they should be talking about everyone, but I told my dad I was like, I mean, if I go out and make like eight eight or nine birdies, I was like. I think I have a chance. I definitely didn't think I would be winning after the third round, but um, so I think I start. But I think I started on ten, and I got out to a pretty quick start. And my best friend was counting for me, and he started like acting a little different. And I was like, "All right, I definitely could be like somewhat close." And I think that I was. I might have been like three under through six, and then 
I think. Like I was literally four under through seven. You're a four under through seven to start your round. Seven. Yeah, it was. I mean, the whole round, I was unconscious on the putting green. Like I was. Like I don't even know if I hit it all that well. It was just how I was making (laughs) everything. Um, What's that feeling like? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't happen all that much. But yeah, it was basically like, I know I was playing with a good friend, so I would say it kind of made it a little more relaxing because I was friends with him. I had one of my good friends catting for me. But yeah, I just, I didn't really make any mistakes. And then I would say I definitely made some bombs on the putting green. But I remember I got to, I think it was the sixth hole, so maybe my 14th hole or 15th hole and the camera came out and I was like I tapped my buddy on the shoulder I was like all right let's just like take some deep breaths um (laughs) in the back of my mind I was like if we can do I think I might have been six under at that point I was like if we just get this in at six I was like we just need the par three holes um and then I ended up hitting like three I think it was three probably three I had two of my best drives and three of my best shots I think on seven the par three i hit six iron to a foot and then did i birdie nine i think i made a i think i made you, a long you birdied you birdie you so you were five under with four holes to go and then you birdied the six hole to get the six under and you still have three holes to go and you finish par birdie birdie yeah. to finish 32 32 oh did i 64 did i par seven you parred seven yep Really? Is that a par three? That is no par four. So you birdied five. Yeah, six, you birdied six. six. Right? Yeah. You had two twos on on the on your back nine in that third round. Yeah. Which ended up being the front nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was like, I, I <laughs> right. He doesn't even remember. Yeah, is, he was yeah. so in the zone. <laughs> He's like, listen, just got up. I hit it. It went in. Like Will Ferrell, old think, school. What happened? I blacked out. <laughs> it, it, I think I might. I think I might have said. In like the interviews after that, I blacked out. Like I didn't even remember. (laughs) That's crazy. It was crazy, and then it was cool. That that was, I think that was my first course record. So it was cool to get that. Is that the course Um, record at Rockaway? Yeah, I think I tied it. Tied it. Yeah, I did. I do. I have that in my notes. That that sixty four tied the lowest round there ever. There's a couple people that have that. Um, I like that. Course. I but, played it an outing at that course. And that's one that like Mike and I talked early on about like courses. Th- there's so many great courses in New Jersey that we just don't talk about. And, and I feel like that's one of them that doesn't get the praise that it should. It's just a fantastic course with a lot of great characteristics. Almost nobody knows about it. It's just it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm only I think I'm only like 30, 40 minutes from there. And I never even heard of it until but that's my point. Yeah, schedule came out. And I mean, you hit. Like the front nine and back nine are so different. Like yeah. I think I hit one driver, maybe one driver on the back nine, and then the front nine's driver on every single hole, basically. Yeah. So, but now, yeah, the sixty-four was crazy. <laughs> so then you, so then you go into the final round. You know, like obviously your mentality is completely different because now, yeah. now, now it's like, oh, I'm about, I, I have a big, a very good chance to win this thing now. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you just put yourself right back in the mix. So now you're getting into the final round. Like, what are the nerves like in that situation? Because you go from just like freewheeling it, blacked out, dropping everything like like no big deal, to now all of a sudden it's like, 
you know, it's kind of like a gut check. Like, all right, now let's really see what you're made of these final 18 holes. And how does that game yeah. plan change from, from one day? The, like Saturday, you're just like, I'm going to fire and, and whatever happens, happens. The game plan yeah. has to change too, right? Yeah, so I definitely thought that par was a much better score in the final round. So I think I went out there and I told my friend, I was like, I'm aiming at the middle of the green on every single hole. I think I was... I think I was leading by three. <laughs> I, I might have parred like the first seven or eight holes. Uh, I first six. Six. Um, yeah. And then the bogeys started coming. And I kept asking my friend who's caddying for me if I was still winning or if I wasn't. And I bogeyed nine. And I was like, there is zero chance. And my, my friend just kept saying, you're fine. You're fine. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm fine. Um. And then on 11, which I was hitting horrible shots on that hole. It was like a 220 part three down the hill. And I think I hit five iron in the final round, like six or seven feet made it. And then that's when I was like, all right, we like, we can do this. I think 12, I bladed a 60 degree to like 50 feet, made that. And I was like, I was like, all right, like, come on, <laughs> like, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do that. And then I would say basically from until 18, there's only one other shot that was bad. Like I hit it right on 15, hit it, laid up in a bunker and then ended up saving par, which was nice. But that 18th hole was the most nervous I've ever been on a golf course in my life. And I asked my friend on 18 if I was winning. He's like, yeah, you're winning by two. I was like, perfect. Hand me the four iron way right into a bunker. And then the second shot, you have to, I had to carry it like 170 yards over water. And my friend told me to chip it out. And I was like, no, I'm not chipping this out. So <laughs> get it over. My friends were watching in the crowd with my dad. And I've heard my dad was more nervous than I was. Uh, he apparently didn't watch me hit the bunker shot, but now, I mean, I ended up making bogey, but, uh, yeah, the second round I say mentality was on the front nine was to make all pars. And then I tried to get a little hot and I did for a little bit, but then it cooled off again. Um, but yeah, I was not the happiest walking off 18, knowing that I had a chance. So my dad was definitely trying to calm me down because I was, I was definitely burning. So you make so you make the bogey on eighteen, right? Yeah. Now, Art is at that time, you know, like was William finished or he still? So he was two groups ahead of me. So um, he was done. Yeah, and then but on eighteen, his score wasn't in yet when I asked gotcha. what the leaderboard was looking like. But I did see him when I was on 17. I saw him rope a three wood and I think he hit it on the green. So I had an idea. But I remember right, I had like 10 feet for par. And I asked my caddy again, I was like, I can two putt this. And he's like, you got to make it. And I literally left this putt like three feet short. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he birdied 18. Yeah, he birdied 18. Yeah. So I doubt. So I you. I mean, I got off so mad. I was I was so mad, but it all worked out in the end, which was nice. Yeah, so you go to the playoff, and it's three holes. 
aggregate score, and obviously you play really well. You know, well, I don't even know how well in terms of like your definition of well, but it was very solid. No, yeah, you know? I, I was playing well, good. Yeah, one under through three holes in another pressure-packed situation. More or less, you know, do or die at this point. Yeah. You know, like, how – how obviously knowing how bad the nerves were on 18 when you take that four and out and, you know, you spray it right, but how bad were the nerves in the playoff? So I was super, super nervous, especially because the whole week my driver was going left and there was out of balance on the left. Um. It took a little pressure off that uh, Will Huang hit it left into a hazard. So I decided just to aim way right, and I pulled it way left almost in, into the out of bounds. <laughs> but um, I was, I was, would say I was more nervous on 18 than I was in the playoff. I think it was more just. I knew that I had a three-shot lead in the final round. I knew I had a two-shot lead on the last hole. And for some people, that might give them more, more of a cushion. But I, for some reason, was literally shaking in my boots. Um, but, yeah, I would say I wasn't – I was nervous in the playoff, but I wasn't that nervous, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does, 100%. Is, is that – I also think – Go ahead. You you can go. I was just gonna. Uh, I, I, I'll, <laughs> I, I, w- I would just say that playing one person, like I've always been really good at match play. Playing one person is a lot different than, even though I basically was playing one person on the team, it just felt different. Have you had that? You know, some players they don't want to look at the scoreboard. They don't want to know. It seems like you've now learned that experience of like I don't want to know that I'm two shots up. Yeah. Uh, have you had that happen since and and learned from your previous mistake, or maybe so, not mistake, but previous experience? I haven't since the Jersey Am. I think the only other two tournaments I played that summer were the after was the State Open and Met Open, which I wasn't in contention. Um, I guess with the Met Open, I was on the cut line, so I didn't look at it. But in college this year, I I haven't been in contention to win something. I have a couple top 20s, but uh, I would say I haven't looked at the leaderboard all that much uh, since. But I definitely will continue not looking at it unless <laughs> unless it's like, I mean, I probably shouldn't look at it on the last hole again, but I probably would look at it on the last hole. And and obviously knowing where where the state am comes this year, you know, obviously for someone like me, it's like it's near and dear to my heart. It's probably my favorite golf course that there is. Um, you know, growing up there and playing there as a kid growing up. That's Manasquan River, in case you're in case you're wondering. No, yeah, I know it's Manasquan. <laughs> yeah. H- have you played there before? I have never been. Um I definitely well play it or not definitely but most likely before the stadium gets close uh i know austin devro pretty well uh i think he's a caddy master maybe there no yeah, he's so. got he's yeah yeah so yeah it will it will be exciting yeah that i mean i can only imagine what that field is going to be like at that place i i I can just imagine getting such big names like yourself. You're getting Austin in the mix. You're going to get guys like Jack Wall and, and Jerry Wall. Like you're going to get dudes that can flat yeah. out golf and that know the golf course so well. 
you know, I can't wait to watch. And yeah, Mike Poro. You, you got to put yourself in there. You're going to get names like Mike Yeah, I, listen, I, I don't know if that, you know, listen, you know, I, my moment in the size, I was the way to blossom, right? You know, so maybe, maybe it blooms <laughs> this you, summer. It's going to bloom this summer at your, at your home course. <laughs> so when you look ahead to what, you know, now your future is, obviously you're going to be graduating from, from Maryland this spring. Um, what's your summer looking like in terms of tournaments? And then, you know, maybe like your plans for after Maryland. So I currently am trying to get into the Sunny Hannah, uh, Northeast and Porter Cup. So I've never tried to play in um, any of those. Uh, I was going to play in the Transmiss, but it's the same day as the State Am, and I'd rather play in the State Am, I think. So, um, yeah, I would say I'm going to play uh, like the Ike, Met Am, Met Open. Met Open's at Arcola this year, which is cool. I just checked. I just checked. I just checked the sports book, and you're the betting favorite there. So I mean, <laughs> so you know, listen, well for you. just just yeah, listen. I, yeah. I got to I got to get in first. I the state am was at a call. Didn't qualify. The state open was at a call. Didn't qualify. So. You winning the people being the state am reigning champion that doesn't qualify that so you don't. I, I got into the met. I got into the met open and met am last year because it was after, and it's only one year. But I get into the Ike because the Ike was. So you get into the Ike. I get into the Ike. I got into the Met M and Met Open because of. Wow, I thought it was a. I thought there was like a a a year on that, like years, like you got a five year, whatever. I didn't realize it was just one. For for Jersey news, like I got into, like I think it's ten years for the State Open, State Am for Jersey, but MJ only does the reigning. State like State Am from Connecticut, New York, and Jersey. Wow! And it'll be different by the time the Met Am and the Met Open happen. So, uh, and then so it is year. like a year, but that but it's like a, a year yeah. is super. Yeah. It's like just only a few months that those tournaments are. I got you. Yeah, and I I mean it was nice to get into those two, but I didn't even play the qualifier yet for them. So I wish if I knew it was going to be at Arcola, I would have asked if I could try and qualify. For the Met Open, and then if I don't get in, just use it for our club, but it's all good. And then, obviously, looking ahead to school-wise next year, what are the plans? Uh, so I'm going to Santa Clara University uh, for my fifth year, like the COVID year. Um, I'm super excited. Uh, I was in between here in Maryland, and um, just at the time, uh, I made the decision Santa Clara sounded uh was like the right fit i would have had to wait a little long for maryland to give me a decision and i mean coach larkin he used to be an assistant coach at ucla he actually cabbed in the masters for a kid on ucla's team a couple years ago um and what he's doing with the program sounds awesome they uh have become a lot better the last couple years uh a big part of it was the weather obviously um the courses are cool. It is far away, but uh, I one kid on the team. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Nolan Forsman? He uh, he's a member. Of, he's a member at Wingfoot. He plays in all the MGA stuff. So he's doing his grad year there too. He's been there for four years. So uh, it'll be nice to know once know someone there. And I think out there we can do really big things. Um, and I just think that a different setting would be cool for my fifth year and experiencing something that I haven't, um, but I am going to miss Maryland because Maryland is 
I mean, it's my it's one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, when you think about players like yourself that have kind of gone to their place for three or four years and then have used their fifth year to kind of like, I mean, I like to use the word blossom. You, you use it in a different phrase, but, you know, like you think about like Chris got her up leaving Rutgers after playing really well and ended up in Oklahoma to seeing how much even more he developed mm-hmm. out there. And then kind of the same situation with Jack, you know, going from the University of South Carolina now at the Texas Tech and doing the things that he's doing. Like, do seeing what those guys do have some sort of influence on a decision like that? For me, I would say I didn't really think of it when I was making the decision. Um, I mean, obviously, what I want to happen is play as good as Goderup and Jack have been playing after transferring. But I'd say the decision was more just place seemed awesome. Coach is great. Spot is great. It's like an hour south of San Francisco. And then learning about the program that they had really intrigued me. And the grad program I'm getting is what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, I would say it kind of checked us, checked the boxes like Maryland did when I was like four years ago. Just a different school. So it should be cool. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I, I normally like to kind of wrap things up by like Ryan always has what we think is probably one of the best ending questions there is. So I kind of like to give like the appetizer before that in terms of, of wrapping it up. But, you know, being like a New Jersey guy and and playing a lot of, you know, golf courses here in the state. If you had to give the audience like one public golf course that you highly recommend and then like one if they got the invite not counting Pine Valley, but if they got an invite to a private spot that they need to go check out, like, do you have two spots that you could share? Um, can I say yeah. our can I say our cola? Yeah, I'll give you two private ones because uh, our cola will be fully biased. So private, <laughs> we roll. We I roll with yeah. the bias <laughs> all the time, and I get grilled. <laughs> I get grilled by everybody about that. So listen, totally get it. So. Private, I'd say Arcola Country Club, biased opinion, but I'm very lucky to be able to grow up there. Um, and then Galloway National, that's where Big Tens are this year, but that place is so, so cool. So that would be the privates. And then the public, I love Darlington Country Club, um, like love. And I would say Paramus, I think they're both counties. But Paramus Country Club, is, which is down the street from Arcola, I play there with my friends all the time. Paramus has it. The 13th to lot Paramus is my favorite, or 12th to lot Paramus, or no, it is 13. It's my favorite hole in Burn County, hands down. Really? Yeah. Is that the one that backs up to Ridgewood? Yes. Okay. And is that the 13th so hole that backs up to Ridgewood? That's 12. 13's T box backs up to Ridgewood. Okay. But the part three is the one that's right next to Rachel. Gotcha. So Galloway's hosting the Big Ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Galloway's a yeah. gem, man. It An is. absolute gem. It's so it's so good. So good. And so we uh, can I real quick, Ryan, I know I don't I'm cutting you off in terms of you putting your question there, but like we put together a list of twenty one counties in tw- twenty one oh, courses just, in twenty one yeah. counties. And we we 
specifically asked a lot of people about Bergen County because neither one of us have ever really ventured up there to play golf. If I'm going to give you our list in terms of from the, from Rivervale was like the top spot that people mentioned in Bergen County. Darlington was number two. Rockley was number three and Soldier Hill was number four. Is that misnumbered? Yeah, he thinks Darlington is one. Yeah, I'm going on. Yeah. If, you're telling, if you're telling us two dudes that don't live anywhere in the area, you're coming up to Bergen County, you can go play one of these public golf courses, you're sending me to where? If you want to play a good golf course, Rockley, if you want to have fun, a more fun round on the golf course, you go to Paramus. Because Paramus isn't as good as Rockley, but Paramus is close to my heart, so I like Paramus. And where does Darlington fit then? Darlington is the second best public golf course in Bergen County. Rockley's, I think Rockley's number one. Ah, there you go, right? I mean, it's it just shows that they got to be close, right? Because everybody say like we have Darlington at number two, Rivervale at number one, but it, yeah, it's it's the it's the they got yeah, Rockley's yeah, three. Rockley's three. Is, is Soldier? Is Soldier Hill? Did it used to be Emerson Golf Club? That was our home course in high school. I know, no, not trying to like make Soldier Hill not sound that good. I can't stand Soldier Hill. We we didn't and, hear the greatest I, of things yeah. about it. And I'd also say we don't have Paramus I on mean, there. Wow, I mean, because Paramus, it's not that it's that good of a golf course. It's just a lot of fun. Like every hole is fun. It's short. You can go low, and like anyone could play it's not hard so anyone could play for you should go there for me to break in. <laughs> 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 uh, all right right it's interesting yeah, that is that really is uh, i do like that we can get kind of that um someone who's up there quote unquote live conversation here here's someone's points of view on there yeah like all all my friends who i mean most of them are just getting into golf they're all lacrosse guys but they choose Paramus over Darlington and Rockley. They they like them both. Does more. price have anything to do with it? I don't think it's that far off. And Paramus might be a little cheaper, but I, I don't think like I would say Paramus is probably to walk. We usually play Twilight Hours, but I think to walk eighteen it'd probably be like forty bucks, fifty bucks, something like that. Right. So when you're talking about that's what I mean. Like, does price matter in that? Like, are they taking it because one of them's thirty bucks and the other's seventy bucks? Like, that's why they're going to play one of them, you know, more than the other. Sometimes they do, but they actually like Paramus more than the others. So, well, we'd like to end this with uh, with two more questions, and and I uh, I'm going to go in this order specifically. I think golfers are superstitious by nature. And we've kind of debated the word superstitious uh, here on, on this podcast uh, a few times. But, but I think we go through our quirks or we have our things that, like, that we think work for us more often. Uh, honestly, I think more often than any other sport. What are some things that you take onto the golf course and you're getting ready for a tournament? Whether it's, you know, you have to have a certain amount of tees in the bag or you have to have this kind of snack at, at the eighth hole or like whatever the whatever it is. What are some things that you do that would be quote unquote quirky or superstitious? So if you ask my uh, coach at Maryland, I am very, very superstitious. Yes. Here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, Let's get the scroll it's, out. <laughs> it's, it's not as much what I have in my, like I definitely have superstitions with the pockets. Like I start with four T's 
And every time I run out of the four tees, I have put two in. I won't put two in before I have, like, if I have one left, I'll wait until that one breaks. But I'll start with four. Once I'll four break, I put two in every single time. And then I'm really big with like people jinxing me or like me saying something and jinxing myself. So like I will make people like knock three times on their head like they're knocking on wood if they say something <laughs> that's like if they're like if, like sometimes my coach would be like be like you're gonna make three birdies come in here and I'm like thinking I'm going to but I'm like you knock on wood right now <laughs> like I I, I, I don't I don't I need them to or else it'll just be in my mind uh, that's probably the biggest one honestly but yeah I'd just say tease and then p- and knocking on wood I need the knocks on wood. Where did do you remember where the T's came from? Because the T's seem to be a big one, but there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason between like, like some people always need to have four T's in their pocket. Some people are like, I'll wait till they're all done and I'll reload with four. You're reloading with two. What's the like any? Where did that come? Do you remember where it came from or just a feeling? Yeah. So I only play. This is another one. I only play even number balls, four or twos in tournaments. Like, I'll play with ones and threes if I'm playing for fun, but see a lot of fours and twos, so I just decided to do it. And I will never, ever hit a plastic tee, ever. If I hit a plastic tee, I will hit it all over the map. I don't know why. Will's going to unravel a book right now about... He's he's got like seventeen more that he's like, dude. I can't I, I, I can't tell these guys anymore, or they're gonna be scared if I keep going down my list of things. They keep they keep popping in my head because they're because they're just oh, things. So we had uh, we had a guest on, and I mentioned the superstitions, and he called them um, habits. habits. He said they're personal habits, and like we don't necessarily think of them as habits, but. Like for me, I know, I know my superstitions, like since I've been thinking about this question and it's, and it's true. They're just, they're just like, uh, everyone else would be like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, but they're just things that we do on the golf course. So like, like you said, you, you like the even numbers and that's, do you hit your golf clubs? Do you hit the even ones better? Like if you had a choice between like a five iron or six iron, are you taking the six? No, but I never warm up with even numbers before I play in a tournament. I don't, which is which is weird. <laughs> no, <laughs> which I'm, weird. I'm the same way. I only hit I hit my odds because I won't hit a four Listen, iron. Here so we I'll go. start five iron, seven iron, nine iron, and then and then um, I call it my attack wedge, go, but approach wedge too is a. Do you go? Do you go down? You go start with. No, five? I just that's my reasoning is that I won't okay. hit a five iron. Okay. So I'll st- I'll start with the attack wedge, but the reasoning why yeah. I go odds is because I don't I won't hit a I don't have a four iron, so I want to hit the five iron. So then obviously yeah. it's five seven like, nine and in theory eleven, which which is you know my. Yeah, I mean obviously my wedges like I play sixty fifty six fifty two, so they're all even, mm-hmm. but I. I hit 60 and 52 because there's clubs in between. So technically they're like my 11 and 13. Iron, right. So <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, we need, no, yeah, let's go, let's go have a beer. Well, we need to go. We need to go. <laughs> let's, let's get you some odd golf balls and we'll go have a fun round. <laughs> I, listen, yeah, if I, I ever know. teed up, if I ever teed up a will I'm on the first team, I'm like, will 
You're making birdie? I know. I'm not knocking on yeah, anyone gonna, right uh, now, buddy. Yeah, and he's going to cup his hands like this, cross his arms. Nope, ain't doing that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard It's hard to get. Like, I, no one really gets in my head, but, like, if they're my caddy or my coaches here, I need the knock on wood. <laughs> Which is probably the only really weird one I have. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> So, Will, I, I think uh, I think I know this answer. I, I have my answer. I like to I like to preface with I know you were wrong. Last I was time. wrong last time. You were wrong but last I, I'm, time. I'm I think I'm three for four. Um, it's not a bad shooting percentage, and I feel like I'm going four for five here. So, we're, we're a podcast is talking about golfing in the Garden State, and in New Jersey, we have a great debate over the name of a particular breakfast meat. <laughs> Okay. What is the name of that <laughs> breakfast meat? It's Taylor Ham and pork roll is literally not a thing. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, First off, oh, I'd, like to, I'd like to say shooting 80% now because Bergen County you, is the, You knew that? That's the why I had that one. I knew there was no chance that someone from yeah. Bergen County is calling. I love how you say it after the pork. fact. I, I, I mean, I should, I, I should have waited for the guests. Yeah, no, I know I my guess. I text next time early. Okay, I can text you. I know. Yeah, of course you do. We don't. Well, yeah, I got the answer. What am I going to, what do I get out of lying about that? Your percentage goes up. I'm a great free throw shooter. That's what, that's all this means. I'll text you the answer from now on. And let's go, okay. Forget about the percent. Let's go back to the answer. Yeah. We just had a great talk with you. And now you got two guys who live Taylor in. Ham. Yeah. Taylor Ham is a brand, bro. Oh, it's not, it's not a pork roll. What is pork roll is the product. Okay, when we get, when if we ever get together, right? If we get together with Will and we tee it up, we'll bring him a pork roll egg and cheese sandwich so he can actually see what this is. But I'm gonna look at it and be like, it's Taylor Ham. Yeah, it is the same. My ex was from North Jersey, and like they call it Taylor Ham all the time up there, and it's the same product. It's just Taylor Ham is a. It'd be like calling it Trenton because there's Trenton pork roll. And Taylor Ham makes pork roll, so that that's what they're doing. That's what they've done. It's just like calling it. It's just like again, I'm gonna argue for the North here, and I don't want to. But like, what do you call the thing that you clean your ears with? Q-tip. Right. They're cotton swabs. Q-tips a brand. So like, it's that kind of it's that kind of thing. Don't you point at me, Will? I'm not supporting you in this. That's great, Will. I mean, I, I thought him and I were on the team here. I'm clearly getting nudged out right now, and he's he's he agrees with me that it's pork roll. That's you know. I, no, it, it is pork roll. I'm just I saying that's where that's where I they get it from. I don't eat either of them. I eat bacon, egg, and cheese. You're bacon, okay. I am. Somebody else was a bacon, egg, and cheese guy too. Maybe Lewis Kelly. Maybe Lewis Kelly said the same thing. Lewis Kelly, yeah. No, uh, no sausage. No. Okay. I'm not. I like. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't like sausage and cheese. This was this was a great conversation. I, I, now we're because of this answer. Now we're not, not going to air this. Well, you were backing him, so I, I don't even like that. The end of it entirely. Him. I was educating you, Mike. I was trying to teach you about. You were supporting no, him. This, there is you no were supporting support him. At all. We got to convince Will. It's pork roll. No, and, and there's it's pork roll. It's pork roll, and it's pork it roll. Is. Well, there's there's <laughs> multiple brands that make pork roll, so it has to be a product. In all seriousness, no, Will. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I, you know, listen, I, I I hope you enjoyed your time on. And listen, obviously, we'll be rooting for you from afar, and we'll be checking in. Um, you know, hopefully, we can do this again soon. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, anytime you guys want me to come on or anything like that, I'd love to. 
That'd be great, Will. Thanks so much. It was awesome getting to chat with you. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you, pal. Take care. See ya.